Welcome to Travel Time. Today we're talking about the Disney Wish. We were on the Disney Wish for New Year's this past New Year's Eve. I love New Year's Eve on Disney cruise ships, so this was an easy pick for us. We were originally supposed to be on the Wish for a sailing in July, uh, right after it came out, but the maiden voyage got delayed, and we were in the first set of sailings that got moved. But on the plus side, this later sailing was way less expensive, so we ended up splitting the money up and booking this cruise and a second on the Wish for President's Day weekend in February. We really prefer the longer cruises, so the three and four day schedules that the Wish is doing is not really ideal for us. But we did want to try out the Wish, and sometimes the three days all that works with the kids' school schedules, so that was the case here as well. We already had been on all of the other four Disney ships, so it was fun to have the new one to check out and get us back to having all all of the ships and at least one sailing on each. We had a later boarding group than usual because the check-in process this time was a little clunky. The process kept timing out repeatedly. We ended up in group eight. Normally, we were able to get more like three or four when checking in. I really missed the castaway perk of being able to check in earlier with a higher tier. I got rid of that during COVID and didn't bring it back when the other restrictions lifted, which really degraded the experience, in my opinion. That said, they recently brought it back, so I'm excited for our fall cruise, and it will be back in place, as we've never actually gotten that extra early day with gold since our first gold sailing was to Greece in 2022. We were flying in on Southwest, so in the days before the cruise, we were anxiously watching the unfolding storyline of people everywhere stranded due to the Southwest issues. It takes about 18 hours to drive to the port from our house, so we knew that if we didn't cancel our flight with significant notice, we would be out of luck entirely. So we'd booked a flight a full day before. We always do that because you can always encounter some kind of air travel issues. But in this case, it did not look probable that the buffer we built in would be enough. So about 36 hours before our flight would take off, the situation hadn't improved at all, so we made the call to cancel our tickets and drive down. We canceled the front-end tickets only as we were returning, and we had school of work the next morning, and we only canceled one ticket for the return flight, so one person could drive the car back. And we were crossing our fingers they'd sort it out while we floated around the Caribbean and hoping and assuming that the Southwest would make it good with flight credits due to the situation, as they normally are very good about that. So we were kind of trusting in that. We told the kids to get packed. We hopped in the car about two hours after making the decision and moved the kennel changes for the dogs. Luckily, the drive was fairly smooth other than the seemingly mandatory massive traffic jam in Atlanta that seems to exist whether you get there at 1 a.m. or 5 p.m. We made one stop along the way, but made it to the hotel by about 11 o'clock the night before the cruise. So we were able to get almost a full night's sleep and a good breakfast before boarding. Our arrival time had us at about 11 or 11.15, and we boarded not too long after we got through check-in and security. They're definitely still turning away very early arrivers, but we were about 10 minutes early, mostly because I misread the time on our check-in paperwork, (laughs) and they let us go in. Um, They were holding people arriving with 1130 and later arrivals, though. The holding area they have set up is a lane for each of the quarter hours. And if it's your time, you just walk up in your lane and they into the building with no delay. If you're early, but within the hour, they queue you in one of the holding areas. If you're over and out early, they were sending those people back to cars or over to the side to wait outside until their queue line was open. Personally, I'm really grateful they've started doing this enforcement of arrival times. Pre-COVID, it was always very overcrowded in the terminal by 11 or so when groups have checked in, but boarding hadn't started yet. You could tell by people talking around you that many of those were people who have like 12 p.m. and later arrival times and had just shown up at 10 a.m. There's just not enough seating or room to handle that in the terminal. And this time there was what seemed to be just the right amount of room. And it wasn't people sitting on the floor everywhere and others having to like step through them to get to the restroom or to get water or things like that. It was a much better experience for that whole process. 
I really hope they don't go back to letting early arrivers come in super early and clogging it up again. Embarkation was largely back to the old process otherwise. Our last cruise was the Greek Isles cruise in June before the COVID testing and protocols were removed or toned down. So they announced our name. The wand ceremony thing that many have shown in videos seems pretty random, at least on our sailing. We didn't even realize they were still doing it until a few hours later when we saw people with wands in the atrium area. I thought at first they saw our family with two older teen boys and figured probably don't want magic wands, which actually would be a fair point, and thought maybe they were just giving them to little kids. But we also saw several adult-only parties who had them. So it seems to no real rhyme or reason. As a mom of teen boys, we actually were fine with not having two magic wands that inevitably would have felt the need to mock sword fights or something like that. So it was all good on my end. Just mentioning for others boarding that doesn't seem to be something they give to everyone. So we were on board. And since the ship was new to us, we had some exploring time to do before our room would be ready around 2 p.m. The boys went to Marceline Market for lunch. And my husband and I were anxious to check out Mickey and Friends Festival of Foods, especially the smokestack barbecue. The barbecue was delicious, and the whole area was a huge improvement over the other ship's grab-and-go restaurants. My husband also liked Donald's Cantina and the taco bar-style bar offerings there. The boys liked Marcus Lee Market. My experiences later in the cruise made us not really in agreement on that one. I tried it twice and gave up on it after two pretty negative experiences. Um, the biggest issue I had was that there were just a lot of things I think set up to minimize contact points, and most of them were fine but it also felt like they were really understaffed compared to similar cabanas areas on the other ships. The problem with this combination was if you needed help, it was hard to get someone to help. And the easiest example, and the one that drove me to finally just stop trying to go there, was that there's no silverware on the tables. That's fine, except it also wasn't available at the drink station or anywhere that I could find. Apparently, it isn't available to so just grab anywhere that I could find. I later found out from the boys that people were apparently getting silverware from the people serving the buffet behind the glass. The problem with that is they weren't giving it to everyone. So on two separate trips, and before I found out that that's where it was, the server did not give me silverware. I didn't know to ask for it at the counter because I hadn't had that had it been given it there before. And I assumed it would be at the tables or available somewhere to pick up, like in the other restaurants. So although the design is intended for people to skip the counter and go to the one that has what they want, apparently when I was there, it looked like silver was only being given out at the first one. And then not consistently even then. So after trying to find someone on my trip working in the seating area for help, I just gave up and ended up eating breakfast in 1923 both days and had lunch at Mickey and Friends, which was fine because both of those were very good options. Having a nice sit-down breakfast at 1923 actually became kind of my daily ritual, and it was a great start to the day, way less hectic than a buffet breakfast. My experience was also that the seating areas in Marceline Market are rather confusing. There's some seating you can see. There's apparently a lot more seating that's a little bit more difficult to find. It's just not a really good flow, in my opinion. Our room was on deck six all the way aft. The room was a great room, although the elevator, they say they're forward and aft. They're basically all midship. So it was quite a hike every time you wanted to go from your room to anywhere else since we were all the way aft. We usually like the bigger verandas in the aft, but honestly, on the wish, it's not worth the time you waste winding down the hall to the room. The other disadvantage to aft on the ship is when they shifted down to two banks. They, in theory, got rid of the midship elevator bank, like I mentioned. But what they actually did was create two midship elevator banks, in my opinion. And there are no true aft or true forward elevators. 
they're stored of forward midshift and aft midship. For those staying aft, it meant that a far larger amount of cabins were using those elevators compared to the elevator banks in the forward bank. 33% more of the rooms are behind the aft elevators than the amount of rooms in front of the forward elevators. This meant the aft elevators were almost always an issue. We already had the same cabin booked for our February cruise, and it and it was full, or we would have honestly moved it. I will move to midship for any future cruises on this ship for sure, and will not book our normal aft cabins when I'm on this particular ship. The elevators are a common concern on the Disney Wish. Definitely one other podcasts and videos and things I've brought up. And I definitely agree with the issues. It was rare to be in an elevator where someone didn't accidentally activate other buttons resulting in stopping sometimes on every single floor. If you're trying to get one at dinner time or when a deck party was about to start, you were definitely going to be late and left you left at least 10 extra minutes to get there. I tried to sometimes take the stairs, but I do have an issue with my joints that sometimes made that impossible and I really needed the elevator. And I just didn't love the distance to the elevators from the aft. But the button issue is 100% the biggest problem they have. Without that issue, it would not have been quite so bad. And the elevators would have been faster without that issue because the elevators end up stopping on a lot of extra floors they don't need to. So every elevator trip takes longer, which means people waiting or waiting longer for elevators. So fixing the button issue alone would be a huge win. For dinner the first night, we were at 1923. I loved this restaurant. The decor was awesome. We were at a four-person table on the main aisle through the middle, but next to one of the memorabilia shelves, so it was fun to check things out. I really liked this restaurant just in general. Um, I had the baby romaine salad and the filet. My dessert here was my favorite on the ship, the Burbank Blueberry Lemon Bavarian Cream. It was suggested by our amazing server, and it was very good. After some after-dinner trivia, we turned in for the night, and the boys came in a while later after the fun and vibe died down. The next day, we were at Nassau in the Bahamas. We normally don't get off the ship here, but my youngest and I decided to do the Explore Nassau sightseeing and beach tour, N13 in the Port Excursion page. The tour guide was very funny, took us in the van on the tour. It was a very informative tour, sharing some of the history of the city and the island. It was $64 each and lasted about three hours. It was a good basic overview of the area, including a stop at the Nassau Caves, which is definitely the most interesting part of the tour. The 30 to 45 minutes of beach time was exaggerated, in my opinion. I think there are about 15 to 20 minutes tops that we spent at the beach. The tour description also mentions there are showers and changing rooms at the beach, and there are, but they weren't open, and they weren't available for use um, as well as were locked up. Not the driver's fault, but it's as of the public beach, but for awareness, they can't be used to put on swimwear, etc. The three-hour tour was the 15-minute beach spot, possibly longer, but um, no one swam since the changing area wasn't available, and we didn't, weren't really there long enough. We had about 30 minutes at the cave, and the rest was pretty much driving around. We did have a rather odd scenic stop at the Nassau Airport to use the restroom, but that, that stop was right before the beach. But it was kind of weird because they didn't mention you won't be able to use the restroom or changing area at the beach, so you should change here. They just stopped and said we're stopping for the restroom. Um, there's also a note in the Disney description to bring local currency to purchase souvenirs or snacks. That part honestly was unnecessary because there were no places where you could push things like that that we were on on this trip. So we enjoyed the excursion. I don't really feel like it's a repeatable one. It would still be enjoyable to go on it. I don't think it's one that you would do over and over again. That evening, we ate at Marvel and had dressed up for New Year's Eve. We enjoyed the Marvel show and didn't find it as loud as many have stated it is. A lot of the reviews made it sound like it's a nonstop show that makes eating and talking difficult, but we enjoyed the pacing of it, not to mention appreciated having something not as princessy themed. Of the three rotational restaurants, the food at this one is not as good, but we still enjoyed it. 
I think of all the restaurants with shows, this is one where there really isn't a bad seat. And that's a true statement. We went off to enjoy some New Year's Eve fun before the party. Unfortunately, my youngest started, started feeling ill and he and I ended up staying in the cabin and missed the party. Disney really does New Year's right on DCL. So I was really disappointed to miss that party. I don't even like deck parties. So if that tells you anything, he did get sick just a couple hours after dinner and felt ill all evening into the next day. After the cruise, we heard from our cruise Facebook group that a lot of people who ate in Marvel that night had the same problem. And it sounded like it was possibly something to do with the food because they had all had the seafood platter appetizer. So it may have just been a fluke or something and that that day was causing it. No one else in the cabin got sick at all. Um, we called the ship doctor as the instructions in the cabin say to do when you get sick. But no one no one even called us back during the entire rest of the cruise, which was really surprising. On New Year's, we were at Castaway Key. First time we had been there in several years where the excursions weren't all canceled due to wind. Unfortunately, my son, who was sick, was signed up for parasailing and obviously couldn't go. And I thought it was interesting that Disney refused to allow him to pull out of it, even though he was ill. And we'd even called the doctor, so they were aware of him being ill. So we ended up having to pay for it, even though he couldn't go. To be honest, this was the most amazing thing to me, that I was amazed that they would not want him to cancel it versus trying to go on the excursion and maybe getting sick on it or transmitting whatever he had. I can see that they don't want people just saying they're sick to get out of paying. But we had called the medical center and everything, so I'm shocked they didn't realize that he really was sick and help us out by doing something calling out just like with policies like that that it's probably heavily likely that people who aren't feeling well are joining excursions anyway not to lose out on the money in this post-covid era that just surprised me a lot that they would want someone who was sick going on an excursion to not waste their money and that's what it felt like to me it, it was also very un-Disney. I understand they don't want people looking at backing out at the last minute, but in this case, there's a document and call to the medical team in, in theory, even though they didn't reply to us ever. So just something to keep in mind. The day at Castaway Key was a beautiful one, though. My other son was able to play some pickup soccer and swim with Vibe friends, and I did a short hike. We came back on the ship for dinner at Arendelle. And at Arendelle, I definitely understand why your view said it was a bit intrusive. We were a couple of rows away from the stage, so it was okay. But the show in this venue is definitely nonstop. It's probably a great thing if you have small girls. We enjoyed listening to it and we're far enough away to still be able to chat and stuff. But I was personally fine with being away from the stage. The food at Arendelle, though, is really good. I love the Yalsberg and ham tart and the baby-filled greens. I also really enjoyed my Arendelle kachakaka which I might not be saying correctly, but meatballs and noodles is basically what it was. We all liked the butter cake um, with meringue and cream at the end. And the Arendelle space is just a really beautiful space. I love the huge windows at the far end of the restaurant, especially during the early seating. Just overall, the ship is beautiful with a really nice attention to detail. I love the Bayou Princess and Frog theme lounge. This one also has beignets, which I love. They are an additional price, but they're fairly reasonable. They're very tasty and more traditional style instead of the ones that Port Orleans switched to that are now Mickey-shaped. I think the giant Mickey-shaped ones really don't stay the right consistency, but these on the ship were terrific. The hyperspace lounge was fairly continuously busy, but right after the sailaway party was a pretty good time to go, it seemed. It is well-themed, but the drinks are a real star. There are several really fun drinks available with um, special effects and things. The pub is also a very nice space somewhere between the size of the Magic Class ships and the Dream Class, but it's a decent size and comfortable, not the cramped space on the Dream Class that made trivia really unenjoyable. The spa has the best rainforest room of all of them, in my opinion, much more spacious with a lot more lounging space. I love the addition of a Frigidarium. 
it's also the only way to get a hot tub time. I was really disappointed in the adult area at the pool on this ship. I liked that there's a part of the adult area that overlooks the funnel vision to watch the movies. And I enjoy that it's finally truly an adult area and kids are not constantly cutting through to get to the non-adult areas. But that said, the space is otherwise a huge downgrade versus the other Disney ships. The pool space was cut down dramatically to the point that it was constantly wall-to-wall people. And although the infinity concept was a nice idea, there's no real room to relax and cool off like on the other ships. They also cut it down from two hot tubs to one in the adult area, which meant it was constantly overcrowded and unusable. Literally at any time of the day, if you tried to go to the hot tub, both the hot tub and the pool were uncomfortably packed and every, every lounger was taken. I have never had that problem in any other ship in the adult area, adult pool area. The pools on the other ships are a really nice size and there's usually a lot of people just kind of lounging around and it doesn't feel uncomfortably packed. And it's usually not a huge issue to get time in the hot tub in the adult area, but definitely not the case on the Wish. Basically, the space is just that much smaller and poorly laid out on the ship. Um, I was happy to discover that the Rainforest Room's two hot tubs were never overcrowded when I went to use them. It was very easy to get a shaded or sunny lounger to relax, read a book or nap or whatever. Um, So that's probably where I'll be trying to spend time from now on since it's not available on the adult deck like usual. Overall, the issues with the adult pool deck were along the same lines as my concerns with the ship. In spite of all of the things I definitely liked on the Wish, the Wish is definitely my least favorite ship. A lot of this is because my family is really not the target audience of the Wish. I feel like it's definitely very, very targeted to family with small kids. The teen and adult areas and experience were very deprioritized on the Wish. It's evident everywhere you go. There is no adult area on the Wish as a starter. There are tons of bars and lounges, but they're all disconnected. It would be fine, but it means there are no times when you're at an adult event and kids are not nearly constantly walking through or by. For example, in Match Your Mate, which is one of our favorite things, it can get quite racy at times. They had to stop ours a couple of times because people brought their kids into Luna to hang out or because kids were hanging out along the open window area alongside the venue. At one point, they were actually having a family event in a lounge next to Luna, and the sound blood from that event to Luna, which was considerable, And we could hear almost every word they said, which meant likely they could hear almost all of Match Your Mate as well. I really missed having a place, literally any place to hang out with other adults in the evening that was truly adult only. And that was a huge miss, I feel like. I'm not even a drinker, really. So it wasn't about whether there were bars. It was more about just an adult space for adult time. The vibe is much smaller on the Wish. Um, The area that they have set a time side for 18 to 20 use on the advertisements and things like that is really just a multi-purpose room that they can use for 5 or 18 to 20, but we never saw it being used at all. I think it's kind of misadvertised as an 18 to 20 space because it didn't seem that they were really using it for that. The indoor activity area is really nice ad. We didn't love it being taken over by the bounce house thing, but when that wasn't in there, it was nice to be able to play ping pong and foosball and things like that in an enclosed space where wind, wind wasn't an issue. So to me, that was a nice upgrade. The other thing we very much missed on this ship was the outdoor jogging track. This was a serious downgrade to remove that feature. There's nowhere for kids under 18 who want to stay in shape to run. And that should be kept in mind if you have a serious athlete that needs to stay conditioned during your trip because they can't use the gym. For those who prefer running on a track to a treadmill, it's also really not feasible. It's just, in my opinion, a huge miss on the ship. Overall, we did go on the Wish again in February because it was already booked with our credit, but I wouldn't seek out a Wish cruise. I would likely only cruise on the ship again if the dates just happen to line up with the time we can go to school or something like that, or we got a really good deal. 
there are things we loved and things we were not impressed with. And for me, it's probably just above or even with the dream as my least favorite ship. I'm really hoping they correct some of the issues on the treasure when it comes out, although I suspect it likely won't be corrected for the most part since it's supposed to be mostly the same layout. That saddens me a lot because the concept of the treasure being about adventure is really intriguing to me. And it's much more intriguing to me than the floating castle theme like the wish has. I love the Disney cruise a lot, but the the princess frilly thing is often too much. And not just because I only have boys, I'm just not really into frilly stuff in general. I love the idea of exploring the more adventurous side. And hopefully we'll see more on that ship soon. I do already love the color palette they're talking about and the um, stern statues that they just released. I'm excited about Peter Pan being on there. All in all, that was our first trip on the Wish. Fun family time minus the mishap with an illness. And it's always fun to try something new. I'm going to do a couple of excursion reviews coming up in on the excursions we had at Nassau and then the excursion at Castaway Cay and with more detail on the Castaway Key excursion um, so that everybody can hear a little bit more about those if they'd like to. Until then, happy travels. (music) 